Vince, a 55-year-old Elvis look-alike, had entertained Camilla and Charles with his terribly amusing stories about wormwood scrubs. Charles had said, Prison sounds rather agreeable compared to Gordonston School, where I often woke in the night to find my narrow iron bed and rough blankets covered in a light sprinkling of snow from the open dormitory windows. Beverly, a big-boned woman with hair the colour and texture of straw, had said, You were blading lucky to have a blanket. I slept under me dad's army greatcoat. Charles had looked so mournful that the laughter had died down until Camilla had said, Lighten up, darling, and pour us another glass of your delicious turnip wine. After a few more glasses, Charles had recovered his spirits and had slipped into his party piece, an extended goon routine in which he became Fred and forced Camilla into being Gladys. The Threadgolds watched their guests' improvised performance with stony faces and were glad when their royal neighbours had staggered next door to their bed. Camilla asked, How's the bowl performing, darling? The bowl is performing absolutely splendidly, said Charles. Clever old you for spotting it. It was on the pavement with a stack of others. One was dazzled by the choice of colours. You did well, my darling. Red is terribly jolly. Yes, that's what I thought. One hovered over the green. Hmm, green is good, but terribly worthy. And a bit reminiscent of Jonathan Porritt. One imagines he has a green washing-up bowl bought in some dreadful National Trust shop in the Cotswolds. Her laugh quickly turned into a cough. Had she been any other person, Charles would have defended his old friend Jonathan Porritt, the National Trust and the Cotswolds, but Camilla was licensed to say exactly what she thought. She was still coughing. Charles turned worried eyes on her. Are you all right, darling? She nodded that she was. Somehow, the fact that he had chosen a red washing-up bowl felt significant to him. Perhaps, as Lawrence van der Post had urged, he was finally getting in touch with the pagan inside. He and the long-dead guru had trekked across the Kalahari and sat by a campfire under a vast, star-filled sky and talked of what a man needed in order to feel complete in himself. A man must have a passion, they had concluded. Charles remembered the crimson ball of the sun as it sank behind the dunes. Perhaps this metaphysical experience had influenced his choice of washing up bowl. Camilla asked, How much was your lovely red bowl, darling? Charles said a little tetchily, I did say I bought it from the everything-a-pound shop, darling. He blushed, remembering the scene when he had asked the morbidly obese shop owner, Mr Anwar, the same question. Mr Anwar, irritable after a row with his wife about the Kit Kat wrappers she had found under his bed, said in his public school accent, 
Tell me, sir, what is the name of my shop? Charles had taken a step back on the pavement and read aloud the shop sign displayed in foot-high letters. Everything a pound. Mr. Anwar had said, You do not need a degree in semiotics to interpret the signage, Mr. Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. Everything in my shop costs exactly, precisely, incontrovertibly a pound. I repeat, A, that is one pound. Charles, stung by Anwar's sarcasm and his use of his German family name, had handed him a pound coin and hurried out of the shop. Charles's dog, Leo, a Frankenstein-like mixture of many canine breeds, sloped out from beneath the kitchen table.